0: It's Hollywood. What's up y'all, it's Miles the Millennial, the millennial who's actually not a millennial but is technically still a millennial. And this is Millennials with the Mindset, the podcast where we tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. Today, I have a special guest, someone who is extremely intelligent, wise, experienced and is out here really trying to make a difference when it comes to the health disparities we face as African-Americans. And primarily as Black men. Mr. Tyler Jackson has joined us today. How are you doing Tyler?
1: I'm doing pretty good. My brother, how are you feeling today?
0: Man, I'm feeling great. Just really excited for this conversation we're about to have. Man, we've been following each other for a little minute now and you know I've seen in you through your page and the conversations that we have your passion for improving the life of our community. So if you could give me a little background on, you know, your experience dealing with healthcare and and, in Black America and some of the issues we face.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's interesting because I really started my my interest in public health when I was able to travel to Africa actually um, two years ago. And it was more so looking at global health and seeing how uh, poor communities are affected on a global scale but then I started sa- started saying this is the same thing that we see here in America and I just started my master's in public health program online through Tulane University and one of the big focuses is on health equity and health disparities and our uh, actual dean he's actually he's huge um, his name is Dr. Thomas LaViste and he's working uh, he's the work that Georgetown the CDC like you name it um and so that really just sparked my interest into um looking at why are black people disproportionately dealing with diabetes cardiovascular disease or why why even do we have that label attached to us although we talk a lot about generational health there's other factors such as those environmental determinants of health the social determinants of health it's not just rooted in um obviously food plays a big role in that but um If we look at some of these other disparities um, that we face such as housing security and food insecurity, uh, those are things that contribute mostly to these, these drastic disparities we see between um, Blacks and other races.
0: So are you telling me that as important as what you, you know, consume in your body, what you put in your body is important to your health. You're saying something as simple or as, you know, far from quote unquote, you know, physical health, a house where you live can truly play a major role in you know, your health status?
1: Absolutely. There's there's some interesting articles out there. Even if you were able to go to Google and type in the zip code effect, um, our lifespans are, are pretty much determined by um, our zip code. <laughs> so I, I learned that a few months ago, and I was like, that's just crazy to think about that, because if you look at um, the type of food that we have access to, not only is it the food that we, it's not not so much about access, like obviously that's getting into health equity, which is, it's an important topic in having access to health foods, but it's more so how do we meet people where they are? How do we get to understand why are, why are we making the choices we make when it comes to food? And, you know, you get into discussion about food deserts and everything and that problem. And then we talk about, well, not only food deserts, well, most people aren't living in houses. So it's like, if you don't, if you don't have a house, you're more prone to eat whatever it is that you, that you can have, or, you know, fast food is much cheaper. You know, if you, if you, if you buy five happy meals throughout the week, that's going to be a lot cheaper than going to the grocery store and getting five, five packs of chicken breasts and and five packs of rice. Obviously, you know, you know, you're still looking at, at the quantity of that, it's pretty much the same, but it's, it's $5 versus $50, you yeah. know? So um, if you don't have a house, if you don't have that security of being in a warm environment, being somewhere where you have access to cook your own food, uh, somewhere where you where you know you're gonna get sleep after working one or two jobs and then maybe trying to go to school or get a GED, then you're most likely not gonna be participating in the best behaviors um, when it comes to food or even know how to build a healthy relationship with food itself.
0: And it's crazy that you say that, bro, because we think about how important what you consume in your body is, you know, even the, the knowledge we have in regards to food and eating, we don't have these conversations in the black household. We don't talk about healthy eating. And most of the time, if we ever do talk about it, it's because somebody has been diagnosed with diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, somebody had a stroke or a heart attack. And at that point, it's like, man, the damage is done. And of course you can improve your life and help yourself afterwards, but it's like, man, how do we change our mindsets? What's your opinion on how we change our mindsets to prevent that from happening in the first place?
1: That's a very good point you bring up because there's there's a model that we use in public health and I believe it's also used in nursing as well as three term models called primary prevention, secondary prevention and tertiary prevention. And what you mentioned when it says was we don't start talking about eating healthy until someone's diagnosed with this disease. So tertiary prevention is that third tier where it's, um, once someone has a disease, we're just trying to give them the best quality of life they can have before essentially, you know, the end of their life. So I think what we need to do from a mindset perspective is, is start to introduce um, role models of people that we can directly see in our community that are eating healthy, what it does, what it how it makes you feel, um, again, being able to build a mindset to say um i i want to go work out i want to choose i want to choose healthier foods over what i have or things like that so i think it goes down to really influence um, and and we're we're a lot of a product of our environment so usually when we're growing up because our parents are the ones handling the food in the household whatever they eat we eat as well. well so i think it comes down to Exactly, you know, as we get older and we start to learn, although it's not taught in school, we need young men, young individuals like ourselves being able to go to um, go to our families and say, like, we have to do better, you know, and it's unfortunate that usually that that comes at a point where we're like 23, 24 years old. And by that point, now you're trying to (laughs) now you're trying to reestablish 50 years of learned behavior in a year. And it's kind of hard at that point. But I think that as we start here. Um, at our age groups is starting to infiltrate that into um, the generations before us and say like hey this is what it can looks like what it can look like and I think it's going to come with us helping each other um, not just not just within our household but outside the household trying to be again trying to be the influence for those because it shouldn't just be we shouldn't be just be looking at rappers and celebrities and seeing what they're doing we need to see like you know, the grassroots people, the people like yourself that are putting out books and things about the mindset of a young adult life. Everyone has this concept Mm. that, you know, as young adults, we don't really go through much. We go through a lot. We just shelter in because, you know, a lot of times we feel like we don't have the voice to put that out there. And that directly ties to what you were saying about mindset. I think Um, being more vocal about our mindset and our struggles is, is extremely important. And that's the only way for us to be able to change what that looks like for our future.
0: Man, that's really crazy because that's what everything's rooted in. Every single thing, whether it's positive or negative, is a product of your mindset. The way you think, the way you process, the way you react to things. And if your mindset is rooted in healthy culture and healthy ways, you're going to respond more times than not in a healthy way. But the right. sad truth is for us, especially in the black community, it's already bad enough in America in general. you know, we're so obese just as a nation, but mm-hmm. as a people, we have some of the worst health disparities in the in the world, especially in the in, in to be in a quote unquote first world country, a modern country right you know like we shouldn't be in the position that we're in given the access to all the things that we could have. But like you said, there's right. so many subliminal, uh, legal, and and economic reasons as to why we're not expanding, why we don't have that mindset. But that's where people can grow. People can really get that mindset together. It'll change everything, change your mind, change your life. And, you know, I wanted to ask a follow-up question to that. So there's been a big movement recently in terms of like holistic medicine, using natural uh, medications, um, supplements, and that are from herbs and all these different things. And I know a lot of people also co sign to the belief of Dr. Sebi. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much you know about that, but I feel like you may know a little something. What's your opinion on holistic medicine use and natural remedies versus let's say modern medicine use, prescriptions and all that?
1: Yeah, so if we're if we're looking at looking at modern mes- medicine versus holistic medicine, um, I didn't, I don't particularly subscribe too much Dr. Uh, to Dr. Tasebi's his, his protocol. What I, what I really looked, how I really looked at it was it's, it's taking our health in our own hands. Like mm-hmm. where we're, we're seeing more people implement, like you said, the natural herbs and creating their own foods and, and eating vegetables and things like that. I really think the difference between that is you have to make that choice in your life versus, you know, to get a prescription, you have to go to a doctor to get mm-hmm. that. At least legally. Um, yeah. So, so I think that's what I think that's where the the power in that comes from is is teaching better behavior um, when it comes to choosing more of the natural things. And I've seen um, uh, a growing growing trend of things like sea moss and, and things mm-hmm. like that. And it's it's not to knock anything, but uh, you know, I'm not afraid to say I'm not as educated on that as um, some of the other people that are. Uh, really advocating for that. I can see, you know, when they talk about making the body as alkaline as possible, because there's so many things that produce acid in our body that have mm-hmm. downstream effects chronically, having that chronic exposure to acid. But again, where I, where I really see the benefit from that is a lot when you see people transition to holistic wellness, they take control of their health. They start exercising, they start drinking yeah. water, they start all of those things. You can't buy those things that alkaline. Uh, Dr. CB, um that he advocates for. You can't buy those things um, or like you can't go to a doctor and get those. You got to go out, yeah. do it on your own, cook your own food, prepare your own food. So it really forces you to take charge of health, which is what we need more of.
0: And that's that's a great point. And, you know, it's really interesting because people will co-sign to the holistic thought, which, you know, I support because of what you're saying. A lot of people do after that, take control of their own health. But where I think some people mess up is they co-sign to these beliefs, but they think that just because they drink the water, alkaline water, and just because they um, maybe take their CMOS every day, that they're healthy. And that's not gonna make you healthy because if you're still consuming unhealthy things, you're undoing anything that is positive. If you're not exercising, if you're not getting that blood flow and getting your heart working and trying to burn excess fat and all these other things that are necessary, the basic principles, it doesn't matter how much sea moss you take, your, your elderberry, your alkaline water, you're still gonna have the same issues as other people. It's still gonna be there. Exactly. And, and that's something that I think a lot of people have to remember is it's not just in taking those those steps from you know what you consume, it's about changing that thought process in every area of your health. You have to do it right. full, full on in. You can't still be out here eating McDonald's five times a week and think because you're taking your seed moss, you're not going to get sick. It's going to happen. You know, exactly. you're leading an unhealthy and, lifestyle.
1: And and it, man, you hit the, you hit the nail on the head. And, and, and there's, there's two things that I see that the, the problem with that, like you, we, the problem with instant gratification, like we see these things mm. and it's like, you know, immediately when you make a switch usually you see results right then so you yep. know it's it's quick it, you know having that having that validation right away is what people crave like we've been raised in a society where we need to have it you know right now versus having a grit of perseverance which ties into mentality and then you also have predatory marketing on all these supplements mm. that say like you know lose fat within a week lose yep. um and then we, we we're in a generation unfortunately that's full of Telling a woman how she's supposed to look, Man. and so all these BS marketing claims they're putting out there and saying like, you know, make sure you have this Coke figure shape and all these different things. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you know, you can you can drink whatever tea you want. You can waist train six seven times a week <laughs> if you don't exercise, if you don't eat right, if you don't sh- if you don't sleep enough, and you don't reduce the stress of your life. Your body will not make any physiological change. Those are yeah. the four big things eating, sleeping, nutrition, and stress management. I don't care about anything sure. outside of it. supplementations, are like the small rocks. If we're filling yeah. a jar with big rocks, supplementation and those things are the small rocks. And it doesn't matter about, you know, whether you choose to whether you choose to start um, taking an elderberry and all these things. If you don't adhere to it, like you said then it does not matter and having resiliency saying you know, I'm willing to give up x y and z for so long in order to get the results I want
0: hmm. man you said something there. that's powerful and you know I want to talk about another topic I wanted to bring up is in the traditional medical system that we have right now and something that I really want people to pay attention to is that the traditional medical system in a lot of ways is designed to treat your symptoms, but to never fix your actual problem. You know that they prescribe you some medication for, you know, your heart racing, but they don't, you know, tell you, Yo, you you really need to just stop all this. You don't need this medicine if you would just eat right, work out, exercise, take care of those things yourself. But it's a money-making system. You know, healthcare is a trillion dollar industry. And <laughs> exactly. these companies make money by not necessarily keeping you sick, but by never fixing what the real root of the illness is. And if you exactly. want it fixed, you're gonna to have to pay a whole lot of money for some surgery. <laughs> and then when you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're gonna be sick again.
1: Do you do right. you agree with that thought? Oh, definitely, bro. I actually um so I worked. In emergency room as a medical scribe, and essentially what that is is essentially taking the, the doctor's notes. You're in a patient's interview. You know, even though it's emergency room, these are like quick fixes. You know, patch up the hole real quick. It's it's so much of healthcare I've seen is is filling out paperwork. No doctor wants to take the time to say like okay here's an exercise routine with your or, or yeah. um, here's here's a list of foods you should be eating like i really wish we would see more collaboration in medicine like honestly one of my lifetime goals has to be create like a like a social services health center that includes nutritionists um exercise trainers PT so it's like when you come when you come to this service when you are coming from a checkup you're seeing all these people you're not yeah. just seeing you're not just you're not just coming to see one person we're gonna look at different areas of your life and see where we can help you because yeah. not in you know not one physician or one health care professional is gonna know it all um so it's like yeah we see a lot of we see a lot of people say too like oh the doctor only saw me for five minutes I was in and out well it's because don't have time you know they want to give you a 15 pill they'll give you a 15 pill you know hopefully that'll uh, that'll change the outcome for you if not then come back and we'll try a different medicine versus sitting down having a 30-minute conversation and say like okay you know like also that's the easy way out no one wants to have a hard conversation with someone to say like you need to stop eating like shit (laughs) and 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 that—that's really what it is. Like we—we we just unfortunately live in a world where we coddle each other too much, and it's like either you need to get your shit together, or you just gonna keep seeing it. And look at healthcare in America. We, out of any developed country, we spend the most money with the worst health outcomes. What does that really tell though? you? <laughs> like, we yes, we're spending we're spending the most money on health on healthcare with the worst outcomes out of any developed country.
0: Oh, you're I think Insurance that points directly. <laughs> Crazy
1: num- numbers don't lie. We we cannot we cannot deny those facts. Like we're gonna keep pushing medicine, or we're gonna again we're gonna go back and teach people how to build sustainable behavior that they can pass on to their kids and to the other members. And you know, a lot of this is if you don't see that in your community, you're not gonna do that. Mm. <laughs> you're not gonna do that. So, so
0: we're talking uh, about. I I, I definitely. We're talking about the difference between generational wealth and now is generational health. That's what this is about. Mm -hmm. We need to build generational (laughs) health. That's the next step. Exactly. Everybody's trying to figure out how to get their money right. But you can't take that money with you beyond the grave. So you better make your time on earth last and let it be healthy.
1: Exactly, bro. Like, if if you're not healthy, if you if you don't have the if you don't have the mental capacity to deal with everyday life things, because of because of having bad health, you're never gonna build wealth, because you're gonna be spending money, studying yeah. in the doctor's office, studying in the doctor's office wow. instead of saying like, all right, maybe I need to take a year uh, to figure things out. Maybe I need to, you know, invest in a, a classroom online and learning what health is about, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, I think that we really need to do something about. We really need to do something about that, and that's gonna come from I think more collaboration within healthcare and stop reducing the burden on individual practitioners and say like, okay, well let's partner together and see how we can really help improve health health outcomes instead of pushing drugs on people.
0: Yeah, and when you talk about pushing these drugs on people, there there's also a very big issue rising with the you know, the rise of prescription drug abuse, how people are becoming addicted, people are, are, you know, really, and even within the physicians themselves, they're cooperating and participating in these schemes where they're getting money to prescribe pills and send them out onto the street for people to sell. You know, exactly. have you faced that at all? Like, have you talked about that, had any, any more information you can provide the listeners about prescription drug abuse
1: yeah, um, honestly, what what's one thing that's been frustrating for me? I read this book. Um, it's called Spark. Um, I can't remember. I think the doctor the doctor's name is Doctor Haggerty. Um, but it's it's about how exercise affects the mind. But one he one thing he talked about. One thing I actually just um, was doing some research on was the amount of kids that are overdiagnosed with ADHD. So we're mm. starting them young mm. on these prescription drugs, and it's like you know, we give, we're telling kids just because you don't learn at the same pace. Uh, No, every kid has to learn the same thing, learn at the same pace and act the same exact way. So everyone is, everyone is a robot. So anything outside of that, oh, your son or your daughter was acting kind of funny today. Yeah. I think we, you know, they can't sit still in class or, you know, they're a little more talkative than the other kids. They're a little bit disruptive. So it's like, now it's like, you're telling these you're telling these parents that these kids have ADHD because of the way they're acting in the classroom, and and that's not even a case. It's like the number one overdiagnosed disease and psychological disease in kids, and it's it's frustrating to see like <laughs> prescription drugs are being pushed on kids that are in first and second grade. So yeah. you're you're already you're already changing their biochemistry chronically, in the long term, because you're telling them now they get 16, 17. And once, you know, the tolerance of those things wear off, you know, they get out of school. Now you've, you've literally infiltrated this kid to think that, okay, whenever I'm not fit in a social space, I need to find something that's going to make me feel normal. So mm. we're pushing, we're pushing these AHD drugs like Ritalin at a young age. And now we're going 16, 17, we get onto these different social spaces. Now we need something else. It's, yeah. it's a, now it's like, what, what else can I give you my you a dependency. Or I need help. Exactly. Building that dependency that starts at such a young age. And it's crazy to think like a lot of times it's just, it's not that, it's nothing wrong with talking in class. And I, I get it if you're, someone's being blatantly disrespectful, but I, I mean, like, We've gotten so lazy with yeah. education, advocacy, and and helping each other that now it's just like I'm gonna push them off into someone else. And that's what's been happening, unfortunately.
0: Man, you just said a mouthful. Because what's happening is you start these kids so early and when they get on these these pills and they become zombies. They're not even themselves no more. They can't yeah. express themselves, they can't feel their own emotions. And then we wonder why you have high suicide rates, why you have so many kids that at a young age are using pills, smoking, doing all these things, and they don't even know why they're doing them. They have this dependency for them. And the very traditional educational system and and healthcare system did it to them from a a very early age. And when you think about it, when you talked about education, it's it's so true. And, And it's something I've talked about for a little minute is that we live in a capitalistic society which means the people who start Mm -hmm. the businesses and own the businesses, you know, that's who have the power. Everybody else needs to be an employee. That's how the system works. And when you think about the mindset of an employee, you want your employee to be uniform. You want everybody to act the same, think the same, do their job the same, wear the same clothes. Like, think about it, a dress code. Think about all the things that have been enabled to make Man. everybody just live <laughs> a very similar and uniform life keep them in a box because if we keep everybody in a box exactly. the people who are wealthy keep winning and the people who can get out of it and can exactly. think for themselves they'll win as well but for the other 300 million people in the country who can't think that way or haven't you know been you know recognized that they're going to stay in that box and so you have to train people from an early age, to lose their creativity, to lose their passion, to lose their drive. And they do that through the traditional education system. You get in kindergarten, you know, first grade, second grade, they ask you what you want to be, yada, yada, yada. Man, and the second you say something outside of like a lawyer or a doctor or a teacher (laughs) or something, let's say you say an astronaut or a football player or a rapper or a singer, they tell you, as soon as you say that, Well, you know, that sounds cool, but you make sure you have a backup plan. Like, you're literally from an early age telling this kid that their creativity, that their passion, that what they really love to do, the thing that gives them life, uh, it may not work for you. Imagine what that does to their mindsets. And then we wonder why once we get out of college, we have these high expectations about what we think life is supposed to be Mm -hmm. be about. And when we don't reach that expectation, because you're only 22 years old, 23, whatever, you're not gonna have life figured out. Now everybody feels like a failure. And then what do they do to not feel like a failure? Well, I'm just gonna get a job. I'm gonna stop taking risks. And then people end up becoming just like their parents. We're uniform. We think the same. And we tell our kids to have a backup plan. We tell our kids, to do like everybody else, eat your McDonald's, don't take control of your health, don't take control of your wealth, don't take control of your creativity. It's all tied into a system.
1: Literally, bro. I mean, you 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 just preached on it so well. And, and, and that's what is that's what it is. It's it's literally systematic. We we are telling, we are telling people, um, don't be disruptive, conform. And it's conform. like it's a, the ones that, the ones have, the, the people that have made the biggest differences are the ones that do not conform. Yes. And um, this, when, I can't wait to read your book when it comes out January 1st. Um, yes, sir. But there's this, there's this other book by Adam Grant. I want to mm-hmm. challenge you to read it. It's called The Originals, and it's about how non-conformists move the mm-hmm. world. And it's kind of like the same Bro. thing uh, <laughs> that we're talking about here.
0: <laughs> That's crazy because I, I have a, a quote, um, and I posted it on my Instagram. It was from Nipsey Hussle, but he, he was reading a quote from another guy. And it may have been from this book because it was talking about the same thing. And it says, the, what does it say? It said, the, the non-radical man, the practical man, moves himself to conform to the world. The radical man moves the world to conform to himself. Therefore, all change and progress happens from, an, uh, from a radical man radicals, people that do not conform, people that push the button, that say, hey, no, I don't think this is right, and I'm not going to settle for it being wrong and just letting it slide. No, I'm not letting that happen. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to push this button. That's who become the greatest impactors, the greatest changers. You said it, man. And and people have to get out of the mindset that we've been trained to, to conform, because what they've done since we were kids was tell us to not take risks take the for sure route, take the route, the road most traveled. You know, Robert Fox wrote a poem in in the, the, the road less traveled by, and the last line says, and I took, he said, two roads diverged in the wood. And I took the one less traveled by, and that made all the difference. Saying that by me walking my own path, by me believing in myself and not going the way that everybody else said, I made the biggest difference, I became happy, I became a changer, somebody that was truly impactful. And that's something that can never be understated and it applies to your health, it applies to your wealth, it applies to who you are as a person, who you're gonna be as a parent, whether you're gonna be happy. Stop conforming, start living. Whatever it is that you believe needs to happen for you, you know, don't let the risk of what everybody else told you, oh, that's not gonna work because of this, or you know such and such tried this, Nah, forget that. Believe in yourself. Take a chance because shoot, at worst, you can always fall back on being ordinary. You can always fall back on that. There will always be a job, there will always be a place for you to be a conformist in this society. But I, I don't see why not, especially at a young age like where we're at, take your chances, do what you believe in, fight for what you believe in, make a change. You don't get this time back.
1: Precisely. You you don't and in and, and, and how you say that you can always fall back on ordinary. That's what we need to see that shift in the mindset because and the reason why it's so easy to do what everyone else is doing, because you're in a space full of validation. Again, like yep. I can't I can't tell you how much um like validation plays into this. Like everything that we do, you you know, you want you want someone to make you feel good. You go on Tinder, you go on hinge, you go <laughs> on whatever. Um, you can you can go get likes you post something on social media you get a bunch of likes you do what everyone else is doing now you got a social support circle but then when things break down in life you know all of that goes away and you start to see like none of that was ever important so it's like you're learning how to how to have internal validation validate yourself really figuring out what's important to you and giving that to yourself first you know we and I've seen you talk about it in your other podcasts too. You can't pour from an empty cup and you, you haven't given anything to yourself. You can't go out looking for it in somebody else. Yep. <laughs> you, your so cup is always going to be empty.
0: They're, they're so empty. And we've let the world tell us that the only way to feel full is if other people are the ones filling you up. And that will always lead to loneliness. Right. There's not enough love from other people in the world to make you love yourself. You have to bring that about. And people will get to their lowest before they realize that they don't have anything but themselves in this world. It's always great to have your friends and your family. And yes, they're there for you, but they can't live for you. So at the end of the day, you gotta have them conversation, those tough conversations to say, who am I? Where do I wanna be? And am I gonna take control? That's it right there. Am I gonna take control? So, you know, as we wrap up this episode, I want people to really understand that you can take control right now of every single area of your life. And the most important area, the place where you need to start is in your health. You can make the simplest changes tomorrow. Forget tomorrow. You can make the simplest changes today. And you can create a totally different for your life faster than you even know. It's going to take hard work. It's going to take dedication. It's going to be some tough times, but it's worth it. And it's much better than conforming and falling back on ordinary. Tyler, I really appreciate you coming on today, man. You have really given some powerful message and some powerful information to everybody listening. I, I really do think that people need to take the time to think a lot more about their health and how it affects every area of their life. And, you know, if you wanna come on another episode again, I would love to have you back. Everybody follow him on Instagram at Tyler Determined. I said that right? That's it, right? Yep, you got it. All right, Tyler Determined. This man's dropping gems. He's a powerful man. He's he's about to shake the world up. And I'm just glad to know him and have him on our side. And like we said, this is Millennials with the Mindset, the podcast where we tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. At the end of the day, change your mind. Change your life. How you and go hard and go if you want